Last Saturday, I realized I had made a terrible mistake. I sat down. I got home from a week away uh, in the South. We got home. I got in front of a television, and I went to watch a college football bowl game. And then I remembered that a few weeks earlier, I had been sitting there thinking, we pay way too much for cable, and I had called the cable company and reduced our package. And so I somehow, over the phone, eliminated ESPN and any sports channels from our, from our package. And, uh, and so uh, I found myself frantically searching for a channel that I did not have access to. And I actually think that faith can often feel like that, that we are frantically trying to find something that we quite don't have access to. Like we, we know it's real, we believe it maybe, um, but it doesn't feel like we have the power we've been promised. It doesn't feel like we have the transformation we've been told is possible with our faith. We feel like we're trying to access something that we don't quite uh, have access to. We're not allowed to have it ourselves. And as a church, we want to be a people open to how the gospel moves. That is our vision for the kind of people we want to be. And so we believe that the transforming love of God is for everyone, that the good news of Jesus' sacrificial love matters to each and every one of us, no matter where we are or how we're feeling about God at the moment, that we all have access to it. And so last Saturday, I found myself on the phone with Xfinity going, hey, I know I just called two weeks ago, but... Um, I'm going to need to change my, my cable package again. How do we get access to the power of God? How do we get access to the transformative grace of God in our lives? And the answer is actually not a secret. It's just one that we have a hard time getting on board with, if we're honest. And that is prayer. And then we find that prayer is the way that we access, that we seek, that we come to the God who transforms us. Prayer is how we open our hands to receive the transformative grace of Jesus. And then when we come to God in prayer regularly, over and over and over, it's forming us to be the kind of people that trust that transformation is possible. And we're going to see that this morning. If you grab a Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 6, you grab a pew Bible, if you don't have one, it's uh, page 1380 in the pew Bibles. Um, We will just look at a short phrase of the Lord's Prayer. And so I want you to turn there anyways. I think there's something beautiful and powerful about God's people turning to Scripture together. Uh, Keep the Bibles open. Even if you have a pew Bible, you want to make some marks in there, underline some things, jot down some things. We hope the Bibles are well used and well loved and engaged here at CPC. And so we'd love for you to to look at Scripture as as we get into this together. But we're going to spend the next six weeks in the Lord's Prayer together as a church. The Lord's Prayer is uh, by far the most well well-known, the most famous prayer in the Christian tradition and church history, um, possibly the most famous prayer in all of world history. Um, it's, it's familiar and common even outside of church in secular places. It's common. Um, I remember growing up uh, and playing high school baseball and football at a public school in Alabama. And at the end of every single practice and game, we gathered together every single player and prayed the Lord's Prayer together. And we prayed it so fast, I'm not sure anybody knew the words, um, but it was just like so ingrained culturally, uh, the Lord's Prayer. 
And, and yet I think it can become so familiar that we can lose the power that it has in our lives. So we're looking at Matthew's version and Matthew's version is in a teaching block known as the Sermon on the Mount. But in Luke's version, the other gospel writer, Luke, uh, Jesus is asked a question by his disciples and they say, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? And then this is how Jesus responds. Uh, verse nine, Matthew 6, 9 says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So pause there. We're just going to consider this introductory phrase. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I want you to notice something really, really important. And that is uh, when Jesus was asked, teach us how to pray, he did not give a step-by-step tutorial. And I think as Westerners, that really messes with us because when we say teach us how to do something, we expect like, uh, here's do this and this, here's the next step. We expect to be spoon fed the practical steps to be able to do it. But Jesus doesn't give them a practical formula. He gives them an actual prayer to pray when they say, teach us to pray. He gives them a prayer to pray. And here's what we should think about that because prayer is not primarily, not primarily about what you do or how you do it, but prayer is primarily about your heart. The Lord's prayer isn't about saying the perfect words. It's about the posture that we have before God. And so the Lord's prayer should teach us what our posture should be as we come seeking God. What should our attitude, what should our heart, what should our posture be When we pray, this is what the Lord's Prayer is teaching us. So I want you to see two things in this introductory clause. And again, these are things that you can jot out beside or or underline, but what should we seek? How should we seek God in prayer? The first thing is that we should seek God with trust. We should seek God with trust. The, The prayer begins in what is a very obvious relational tone. Jesus says, our Father. He uses the word, the the Jewish word is the word Abba. It's it's translation in the English would be something more like the word daddy as opposed to the formal father. Uh, It would be an informal way of relating to somebody that you had an intimate, trusting, loving relationship with. And it's debatable whether or not this is incredibly radical if Jesus does this and no one else in history had ever done that before. But, But it is incredibly important that we realize that Jesus says when we come to God, we come in a relational posture that God is a good Father. Now, I know that not everyone here has a a fond relationship with the fathers in your life. And so you might be tempted to write off this way of thinking about God. But but let me just say that, that God is not replicating the suffering that's caused by imperfect and flawed human fathers, but he is drawing near to you. He comes from heaven to you in spite of your imperfections and your flaws, that he draws near to you. And so we call God Father in prayer because God desires a relationship with us. But we don't just stop there. We don't just stop and go, oh, that's, that's wonderful. He's a doting, loving father. But also, he's a father who desires us to grow in trust in him. God's desiring us to grow in trust so that we know he is a good father, whether we go through things that are hard and complicated and messy and last for long seasons, or whether everything is working out exactly how we had hoped, that we trust that God is a good father. And you can think about, in popular culture, there have been so many songs 
and secular, secular musicians singing about prayer. Everyone from Lady Gaga to Madonna uh, to Kendrick Lamar, uh, all kinds of songs about prayer. I found a, one by Luke Bryan, who's a country artist. Uh, the song is called Pray About Everything. And the really simple lyrics, uh, don't worry about nothing. Let it go. See what tomorrow brings. Don't worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Yeah, pray about everything. Like simple, really simple. It was a country song, right? So simple lyrics. Uh, Really simple words that express a profound truth that we can pray about anything and everything because prayer is coming to God in a trusting, seeking, relational posture, believing that God is with us in our deepest hopes and hurts. We're growing in trust. But the second thing I want you to see in this passage is that we also seek God with expectation, with trust and with expectation. Many of us were taught that when we see that God is holy or hallowed be thy name, that what that means is that God is really serious, that God is really formal, that God is really stiff, and that if we want God to take us seriously, if we want to get from God, then we need to be serious ourselves. Then the posture we're supposed to have is to come to God really formally, as perfect as we can, as serious as we can, and then God might hear us. Or maybe... Maybe your image of God listening to us pray is of like a really busy king who is really preoccupied with important stuff, too important for us. But if we ask in just the right time, in just the right way, if we catch him off guard, you know, if we catch God en route from like the, the, the throne to the bathroom or something, that he might be willing to give in to us. But that's not the posture. We don't, we're, the posture of prayer isn't as like a pauper with your hat out hoping that the king might, might, might possibly give you something from the table. That's not the posture we're told to have. When we, when we pray, hallowed be thy name, we pray holy is your name, God, holy being a word for separate, set apart, different. What we're naming is that we're praying to nothing less than the transformative God of the universe, the God who made us and who draws near, the God of fire, Right? Hebrew says our God is, is a consuming fire, the God of passion and power that can transform your life. That is the God we're praying to. We pray with expectation, believing that God can do something in our lives that we cannot do on our own. When you come to God in prayer, the posture is one of trust and it's one of expectation. In the book that we gave out, and again, I would encourage you to grab one on the way out if you didn't get one at Christmas, but Pastor Derwin Gray said that it's impossible to live a supernatural life when your life is devoid of the supernatural God. Prayer is nothing less than ingraining ourselves in the story that the supernatural God desires an ongoing transformative relationship with us and that his presence has the power to change our life. When we say that we should be expectant in prayer, we mean that we expect that God is there and that his presence is powerful and that it matters because it's with us no matter what we're going through. We pray to the God who has won victory over the enemy. 
but he's won victory over sin and death and the brokenness that clings so closely to you. He's reclaiming enemy territory and sometimes that enemy territory resides in our own hearts and he's reclaiming that too. If we come to him expectant that he is moving, that he is the God who came from heaven to earth to enter into our brokenness. He is who he says he is. Holy is your name, God. Your name, your reputation. You are who you said you are. He has done what he has said he will do. He has moved towards us. He has the power to transform our lives and he has proved that over and over. The Lord's Prayer teaches us that when we come in prayer, it transforms us into active daily God seekers who believe that anything is possible because God is with us and God has power. I recently was listening to a podcast and I heard a guy reflecting on uh, his New Year's resolution and he was talking about last year, he had these grand plans to really work out in 2023. And he said, he heard the phrase, beautifully relentless. And he said, I wish I could describe my workout routine as beautifully relentless. But he said a more accurate description would be disappointingly sporadic. <laughs> Maybe you feel that way? And actually, it's a pretty good description of most of our prayer lives too. Disappointingly sporadic. And that I would love to be able to say that my prayer life is beautifully relentless but I'll be the first to raise my hand and admit probably the accurate description is disappointingly sporadic. And there's all kinds of reasons that many of us have the obstacles to having a regular ongoing prayer life. And I think we're, uh, we're in this series because we believe it matters to address that together as a church, that prayer is central to what it means to posture ourselves to receive God's transformation. We cannot be transformed. We cannot be open to the gospel's movement unless we pray. But many of us don't actively pray for several reasons. One is uh, some of us feel like we don't know what to pray. Like we don't have eloquent words. We don't feel like we have, uh, we don't know what to come to God and say. And so we, we don't pray because we don't know. And I just want to encourage you that praying rote prayers, praying written prayers, praying the Psalms, praying scripture, all that is good. Like some of us come from church traditions where we're told that like written prayers or read prayers instead of like extemporaneous or spontaneous prayers, they're like second class prayers or maybe they're even, even bad for you to say written prayers. And that's silly. Because here's the thing, when you're praying something that's already written for you, you're actually able to focus on your relationship with God, on God's presence, and not have to worry so much about, am I saying clever and eloquent and smart things? Like, I can just, I can use the words of the psalm. I can, there are prayers in the book that we gave you. There are some wonderful prayers in there. There are wonderful historic prayers in the church. We pray those because we don't need to have perfect words. We want our posture before God to be one of seeking him and trust and expectation. Some of us worry that we're not worthy of talking to God. We're not worthy of talking. Why would God listen to us? Why does God have time for us? But the truth is, Jesus offers us his relationship with God, right? Jesus calls God Father, and he has made a way for us to call God Father. He has removed the obstacles. We have the relationship with God that Jesus has because of the work of Jesus on the cross. He invites us into the same relationship of God as Father. You are not worthy of talking to God, sure, but Jesus makes you able to be in his presence, and he fully loves you and accepts you because of his great love for you. 
Many of us get distracted. Like we try to pray, but we get distracted. And I just wanna give you encouragement. Um, Every time that you get distracted, think of it as uh, a wonderful opportunity to refocus on prayer. So every time you get distracted while you're praying, think of it as a blessing. Think of it as an opportunity to turn back and to start praying again. It's a gift that you got distracted. Now I can refocus on this prayer. So don't be discouraged by distractions. Let it be a gift to help you refocus. But I actually think the reason that many of us don't take prayer seriously, um, and this is, this is where I would fall into that category too, um, is that we just think prayer is a waste of time. Now, I would never say that except, except for right now, right? Like I would never tell you that we think prayer is a waste of time. But the truth is we are so busy getting things done ourselves that we don't have time to pray. Or we're so busy like resting from how much we've just gotten done, we don't have time to pray either then either. We don't make time to pray because we don't believe it's necessary for a good and flourishing life. Even though time and time again, scripture tells us that it is because we are so caught up in what we can do for ourselves. And I'm always curious, like, why do we think, why do I think that I can have a powerful, transformative relationship with God without prayer? Why do I think that I can receive God's love and God's presence in my life if I am not actively trying to be present to God? Guys, that's where Look, we talked about, you heard, you heard an announcement earlier about prayer gatherings on Thursday nights. Would encourage you to come. Here's my hope for this, by the way. My hope for these prayer gatherings uh, on Thursday night is that there would be so many people that come that we would need a bigger space, that the chapel would not hold them, that we would have so many people at CPC who have a hunger for the presence of God in their lives that we could not contain a prayer gathering because we desire for God to do something in our lives and in our church and in our community and our world that we cannot do on our own. That's what prayer is. Prayer is posturing us over and over to say, God, your will, not mine. God, you know better than I do. God, we need you because we cannot do this on our own. We're praying that over and over and over. And my hope is that it's so contagious, that prayer and the spirit is so contagious at CPC that we would need a bigger space to gather and pray. But even if we don't, I think the power of a group of people coming together and saying, God, what do you have for us? It's where revival begins, friends. In our own hearts and in our church. If you're looking for a personal way to pray, we handed out these cards on the way in. It's got Bible reading plans to, to match this, uh, this sermon series. And, and again, I think praying through, reading through scripture, letting it submit us to God is a great way to grow in trust and expectation that we're reading something together, praying something together as a church. Like without prayer, I'm, I'm convinced that without prayer, we cannot be open to how the gospel moves. Because prayer is what helps remind us that what God has done for us is better than what we can do for ourselves because we will continue to settle for what we can do for ourselves until we regularly stop and remind ourselves, oh yeah, God, you are at work. I'm coming to you. I'm trusting you. I'm expecting you, right? Prayer is how we seek the transformation that God has for our lives. Prayer is, is like, uh, think about like a, a dog on the hunt, right? Like gets the scent and starts leaning forward up on the toes, ready to go. We have a scent of what God is doing. We're passionate, we're on board, we're chasing after it. 
Prayer is how we get up on our toes and we lean forward and say, God, what do you have for us? I'm all in. Let's go. Amen. I want to give us some time this morning to practice. Well, practice what we're preaching. Uh, to pray together, just just spend some time um, reflecting and praying to give you a little space as you think about what it means to to posture yourselves and trust and expectation. So I'm gonna put a question up on the screen and it's just, where do you uh, need to trust that, where do you need to uh, expect God's loving presence to matter in your life? And um, I want you to use that as a prompt in your prayer. If if not, you can pray something else, but just want to give some space to pray. Um, so I'll I'll kick us off in just a moment and then um, give you a couple of minutes to pray. And then I'll, I'll wrap us up by inviting us to stand at the end and say the Lord's Prayer together. So listen for that. But holy and loving God, we come to you trusting that you are with us that you have been with us, that your presence draws near, that your loving and powerful presence is with us. Help us to turn to you now. God, we know that some of us need your loving presence uh, in lots of areas in our life. Some of us need your loving, powerful presence in our relationships, in our friendships, in our marriages, in our workplaces, in our sense of purpose and calling and career. We need your powerful presence with us as we go through medical trials and health journeys. We need your loving, powerful presence to be in the midst of um, uh, major world injustices and fighting and, and, and the brokenness that we see on the news. Pray for peace for you to enter into those stories. God, I pray that we would all be able to take seriously your loving presence, your loving and powerful presence in our own lives and to trust that because you draw near, you write our stories, not not us. We love you and praise you. Friends, I'm gonna invite you to stand with me and let's recite the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.